Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck here with Dr. Frey at Neck of the Woods Brewing Company in Pittman, New Jersey. Dr. Frey, we took a week off, but uh, I'm happy to be back. How about you? Welcome back. Yeah, um, uh, I'm excited to be here. I, I missed it in the week that we didn't do it, but here we are again. I, uh, we got our usual booth here. Uh, I got my delicious Series Session IPA, uh, four percenter, and here to talk about the uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, some local flavor here in the uh, injury world with sports. Talk about Mike Trout a little bit, along with uh, a little bit of some NBA injuries. Um, but you brought somebody along with you to help us out. Who do you have for us tonight? So I'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Dan Evering. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Dr. Dan Evering. I am uh, one of the non-operative sports medicine physicians with uh, reconstructive orthopedics. I've uh, been with the practice for about two and a half, almost three years now. Specialties include um, musculoskeletal, um, you know, ultrasound techniques, um, musculoskeletal diagnostic ultrasound, uh, orthobiologics, um, concussion management, and just kind of a wide range of injury management uh, in sports coverage. So happy to be here. Great, uh, Dr. Every, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, I mean, I know you enjoy sports. You've heard of this guy, Mike Trout, right? Once or twice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, this is actually an easy one so far for me, you know, on, on what I bring here to the episodes. Uh, I didn't feel like I really had to do a lot of background research on him. Uh, I feel like anybody that might be listening to this podcast has heard of Mike Trout. As we all know, he's a South Jersey legend, uh, the pride of Millville High School um, out there with the L.A. Angels. And then this one's tough. I mean, we don't want to see injuries happen to anybody, especially a guy that, you know, is from, you know, quote unquote, our neck of the woods. Right. Um, but he had this injury on 517. Um, they were playing the Cleveland Indians. And it was actually pretty routine, right? I mean, we, you know, Dr. Frey, Dr. Evan, we both saw the video. It's hard to even pinpoint when the injury happened, right? Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, watching the video again, I mean, it's, it's almost a little bit classic, you know, when you go back and see it and, and now you know what the injury is. Right. Um, but at the time, you, you really don't have an idea of what's going on, right? Did he just stub his toe, roll his ankle, or, you know, what, what was really the issue. Um, but now knowing what the injury is, it, it really kind of makes a lot of sense. It's, it's kind of one of those classic either hamstring or calf strains where you just, you, you feel like you, you know, classic term is I got shot or somebody hit me. And, um, and it just doesn't feel right right away. And, and, and a lot of times athletes will know, and, and they may not know exactly what the extent is, but they'll know something's not right. And then it's just about the evaluation and making sure you, you have the right diagnosis. Dr. Ever, I'm not sure if you saw my notes here, but um, you literally took everything he had said. <laughs> um, so, Dr. Fred, we were talking to. So, I mean, he, he's on base, yeah. uh, bottom of the first inning, pop up to end the inning. Yeah. Um, so he's just kind of trotting out, you know, doing his thing. And he pulls up limp and, you know, he walks through the tunnel and... Later on, he reports, and as Dr. Evering just alluded to, he reported as he thought he got hit with a line drive. Like, he thought he wasn't hit watching the ball, uh, took his eyes off of it. And then, again, he, he gets the third base and says he just knew, quote-unquote, something wasn't right. We've talked about in previous episodes the, the beauty of pro sports. Mike Trout had an MRI the next day, which doesn't always happen for the general <laughs> sure, population, right? right? Yeah. I mean, we even had somebody email us about that, but... We now know that it's a second grade strain of the of the calf, grade two, um, grade two strain. You know, who, who wants to jump off here and talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, talk, no, no. Dr. So, so typically, yeah, it, that, that's exactly what you hear, right? Uh, depending on the sport, right? Basketball guy says 
you know, somebody kicked me. Mm-hmm. Forrest Gump says, something bit me. <laughs> right. And, 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 and um, Mike Trout said he thought he got hit by a line drive. Right. And that's what, they feel a pop. They, mm-hmm. they sometimes even hear the pop. And then the next thought in your mind is, holy crud, is that my Achilles? And in and, and, and this scenario, fortunately, it's not his Achilles, it's, it's his calf. And, you know, we go through different gradations of this for this particular injury. Like many of the injuries in orthopedics and like we had spoken about um, with, with hamstring, uh, hamstring injuries, this is a, you know, grade one, grade two, grade three type of, uh, type of an injury. Grade one tends to be pretty mild. Um, typically, people will lose a little bit of time. Typically, it's about it's less than 10% of, a, of muscle fiber injury or discontinuity, so tearing of the muscle fibers. Whereas grade two, you know, depending on where you read or what your source is, tends to be more of a 10 to 50% uh, injury, where in grade three tends to be 50 to 100%. This appears to be one of that, those, those middle grade, grade two type injuries. The significance there is it, it indicates to, to us um, expected return time sort of treatment algorithm. And I, th- I think we're going to get into that a little more as we go on in the show. Yeah, and one of the things, too, that's important with these, with the grading systems is, you know, we try to, you know, use them to kind of help guide, guide the treatment plan. But as you kind of heard, grade one is zero to 10, but grade two is 10 to 50, right? So is it 11%? Is it 49%? Like, that's the hard part to, to sort of really you know, tease out. And, and that's where the MRI is very helpful. Um, you know, in, in our practice, you know, what we do um, is a lot of times we will use the ultrasound in the office to kind of try to give us a, a gauge of, all right, well, you know, is this something that's really significant? Because, um, again, in real world, you know, we, we can't get the MRI as fast as the pro athletes can. Um, so that can be very helpful. But, um, you know, when you talk about the, the treatment options, really trying to understand the difference between the grade one, the grade two, and the grade three is, is pretty important. So the beauty of having the ultrasound in the office, right? Yeah. Like it really goes a long way and really helps. Yeah, you can see the muscle tears. You can see, you know, hematomas. You can see, you know, even, you know, big tendon tears, things like that. So um, the ultrasound can really help you get a, a very good rough estimate and, and, and skill hands can, can be just as effective as an MRI in, in terms of diagnosing, you know, the grading and, and kind of get the treatment started right away. Dr. Everett, I've seen you in action with the ultrasound machine. Um, if by chance somebody came in with a similar type injury, would you still send them off for an MRI or are you seeing everything you need to see through the ultrasound alone? So it's really, you know, patient, you know, dependent, um, definitely injury dependent. I mean, I think when you're doing your ultrasound exam, sometimes um, you can definitely see everything and, and really it's a no brainer. You do what you got to do. Um, you know, sometimes when you talk about higher level athletes, um, you, do, you definitely want to be a little bit more cautious. So mm-hmm. you may get the ultrasound just to confirm, and, or excuse me, the MRI just to confirm. But the other thing the MRI really does help with is, is making sure that the Achilles tendon is not involved or that this is not, you know, a proximal Achilles tendon injury masking as a, as a mm-hmm. calf strain. So the MRI can really help with that stuff. But for most patients and, and most of the stuff we see in the office, the, the ultrasound is really kind of all we need. In his post-game interview, he actually alluded to that where he's, uh, you know, Mike's had said that his first fear was that he'd torn his Achilles, um, which I guess he knows the significance of that and how long that recovery is. Would you have suspected that given his reaction? I mean, I guess everybody's a little bit different, but honestly, yeah, I think, like I said, I I think a lot of people, especially with this injury, uh, similar to the hamstring, you kind of know, you just, you know, almost right away. And 
you may not know the full severity of it and, and maybe you wake up a couple of days later and it's feeling pretty good, but um, I think you know something's wrong you know, yeah. pretty much right away. I think that the grade one type injury where, where you feel that sort of tweak or the twinge and it's uncomfortable, but you can play through it and you slow down a little bit or maybe a couple day, take a few days off or a short time off and then you're kind of back to normal. Almost, almost every athlete has experienced that at one point or another. But that grade two injury tends to be more of that pop. And he had said, yeah. like, he felt the pop, he felt the kick, or whatever, you know, whatever the sensation was. And a lot of athletes have not felt that. And that's, that's startling, right? Mm-hmm. He's afraid of what it could potentially mean. And he knows that, you know, Achilles tendon tear has a whole different sort of algorithm, a whole different pathway than the you know um, uh, calf strain which is really uh, you know calf muscle tear correct me if i'm wrong so you know thinking about the sports medicine staff for the angels the the physicians the athletic trainers because i've been in this situation uh with a few of the philadelphia soul guys and you guys were both atlantic city blackjack docs so we won't hold that against you but um But I've seen my fair share of these, and I never had a grade two, but I had these grade ones. Is the grade one harder to treat, um, mainly because I had these guys that would start feeling a little bit better, I would start pushing them, ultimately set themselves back. Sorry, Coach Dolzell. Um, you know, I know you are a subscriber and you listen. Um, <laughs> But I had these guys that it was just a tweak, right? And, you know, I would sit them for a few days. We'd start ramping it up. And then it would be a few more days and a few more days. And we never had the availability to get some of these uh, higher level imaging. But to me, it almost would have been better to know, like, hey, this is grade two. And we're going to sit you six to eight weeks. Because ultimately, I think I had pushed some of these grade ones to six to eight weeks because of minor setbacks along the way. Yeah. Well, I I think to your point, it is a little bit harder to treat because you're not really sure when to go hard, when to, to kind of throttle it back. I think the grade two is, is actually just as hard or even harder because you're going to get to a point where the muscle fibers heal enough that it feels like a grade one, right? But do you push forward, right? Mm-hmm. This person's probably already been out, you know, four to six weeks at this point. A setback here could be, you know, really problematic for the rest of the season yeah. or, or whatever. And and so I think there, when you get to that point where you're almost ready but not quite, it's really tough, no matter what it is, grade one or two, to kind of, to kind of move forward, and and it's, it always is athlete dependent because yeah. sometimes they do really well and, and and they heal up and they push through and, and they're fine, but every once in a while you do get that setback and, and you just never know when it's going to happen. Uh, same thing with hamstring injuries; it can be really tough that way. Like you're doing great and then all of a sudden you feel pain and it's another two weeks. Miserable. And we yeah. had talked about that uh, a few episodes back with James Harden yeah. uh, when we had uh, Dan Gorn on you know, when to push, when to hold back, things like that, and how difficult that can be. If you have a patient, Dr. Frey, with a grade two uh, calf strain, are we back on that same conversation with the hamstring? Uh, when do we know it's okay to clear him? Yeah, we're back on that same conversation. Same conversation. Yeah, You're it, turning it loose to the PTs or? From my perspective, you know, there, there are people that argue that you really want to get these things moving quickly. You want to do your physical therapy right off the bat. You don't want people to form some scar tissue. My experience with grade two has actually been, in, in, and it's also in some of the literature, that um, the very at the very beginning, the, the first two weeks, maybe three weeks, it's actually helpful to put in a maboot um, to slow it down a Definitely. little bit, uh, let that start to heal. Um, you don't want that scar tissue to become too uh, overwhelming and then have to deal with that later. So 
you you want to start stretching and range of motion relatively early, but you, the last thing you want to do is start moving this person too soon and start stretching them too soon and make that grade two even worse. Right. Now early on, uh, I typically tend to put people in a boot, put people in a kind of, uh, compressive dressing, which is kind of one of the one of the key points to this treatment. And then I usually wait about two weeks, and then we'll get the physical therapy going and, and get things moving. And you're right. Then on the other end of it, right, at what point can you start to, to loosen the reins and really let them start to push it more? And a lot of that direction, in my opinion, comes from the physical therapist and how it's going with the physical therapist. In an ideal world, uh, Dr. Evering, where insurances aren't existing and finance is already concerned, would you love to see an MRI week to week just to see how the muscle's healing? Would that help in the you know the ability to clear somebody for full return to participation? No, I mean that's a good question, and it's a question a lot of a lot of patients have, a lot of athletes have too. In my opinion, you know, kind of jumping off of what Dr. Frey said, the first two weeks it might be helpful, right? When yeah. you're you're looking for that sort of healing to happen, the sort of a hematoma of the blood to kind of get out of there and let the scar tissue start to form. It might be helpful to kind of see that um, resection. And again, you know, again, we come come back to the ultrasound, but that's where the ultrasound can be very helpful. Um, but kind of once you get past that and you're looking at week three or four, um, the MRI, even if it looks bad, if the patient is is doing well and, and the pain is, is, is pretty minimal, you start stretching and things are progressing, I'm less likely to sort of say, well, hey, the pictures look great or pictures look terrible, so we're going to shut you down for another four more weeks. I mean, I think at some point the clinical decision making takes over um, no matter what the pictures kind of look like. So, you know, maybe the first, you know, two weeks that might be helpful, but after that, it's, it's really kind of dependent on the patient. If they're getting better, great. If not, then okay, we'll, we'll maybe look to get some more imaging, if in, in an ideal world. But yeah, I don't, I don't and, think and, it's- And I guess I brought that up because, let's be honest, the, the LA Angels, it's not an ideal, you know, right. it is the yeah, ideal exactly. world, right? They, 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 they can, can MRI him every day they want. I, um, yep. If they want him to have an MRI for the next 14 days straight, yeah. they're gonna make sure that happens. I don't know that it's, it's, it's that advantageous though. Right, right. right. That, that's what I was more curious about, what that actually do him benefit. Yeah. Dr. Frey, so uh, 2019, he had a right calf strain. Is there any uh, comparison there? I mean, do you think this was something that was leading up? Forgive me, forgive me, but I, I'm, I'm not I'm, sure if this injury was right or left. This was right. Right. This is right. And that's what, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, um, Thank you. Sorry. So, you know, could there, I guess what I was getting at, could there be some predisposed? Heck yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all these soft tissue injuries. Sadly, unfortunately, I think that's how it goes. Once, once you've had one, mm -hmm. uh, that little tweak, that little strain, mm -hmm. um, it does heal, but, but it's, it's not as good as it was before you had the injury and you're predisposed to the, to a second injury or a third injury. There's probably a contributing factor yeah. there. And especially this was a strange one, like, and we see it over and over again. It, you know, people don't read the textbook and don't injure themselves in the way the textbook would describe initially. And you know, this is a pop-up, and he's jogging from second to yeah. third. It's not the real way that you usually see this happen. I mean, so, he's essentially just jogging off the field at that point. Right. You know? Like he's just yeah. like, oh, the inning's over. The inning's over. Know? Right. On my way to the dugout, yeah. and, and yeah. he knows it's, he feels the pop. He knows it's not right, and kind of keeps going. Um, so, so it is. It's it's. it's I have to imagine, given the low uh, mechanism, yeah. the low energy mechanism, that, that this was probably, that previous strain probably, you know, did set him up for a second injury at some point down the line, and unfortunately this was that moment. Maybe maybe it didn't stretch as much that morning or that day. But who knows what contributing factor that was. 
weird stuff happens. Yeah. Now, Steve, this is a question. I mean, we've worked together for a little bit, so this is a question I always ask you about a lot of stuff. But at what point, you know, with this injury, are you starting to think about, all right, maybe we need to go to the operating room. Maybe this is something that we need to, to kind of fix. You know, where, where is your decision-making process as far as that's concerned? According to the literature, grade three, there could be a role for fixing these. First, uh, back up a little bit, get into the anatomy just a tiny bit. Typically, so there are two main muscles of the calf, the, the gastroc and the soleus. And then there's another third one, your plantaris. All three of them make up the triceps surrey. Um, and there's, you know, a few other muscles that are in the back of the leg there, but more than we need to know. All right. So typically, this usually happens in the medial head or the inside head of the gastroc. That's the most common place to have it. Um, if it's your soleus, it's usually more of that grade one. And now if you have this big tear in that, in that gastroc, the medial head of the gastroc, um, you're going to wind up opening that up and you're going to do what's called a layered repair. So you're going to do a layer of sutures deep and then a layer of sutures kind of in the middle, sutures being stitches, and a layer more superficial and really try to hold that all together. Uh, the issue with this is that you're sewing muscle and muscle doesn't have great tensile strength. Those stitches and sutures tend to tear right through pretty easily. At what point, yeah, if it's a really bad one, if they're four to six months into this and they're still not getting back to normal, maybe if it's a grade three, I'll, I, to be perfectly honest in my practice, not that it's a technically hard thing to do, but I've never actually done it because I don't know that there's necessarily a need for it. Mm -hmm. Now, now, is that person set up to, re, to, to have a recurrent injury or a repeat injury down the line? Sadly, unfortunately, just as soon as they have the, that first injury, they're at risk for a second injury down the line. But I don't know that doing a surgery to repair it reduces that risk. Right. Okay. Um, and then, you know, there are different places that you can tear. You can tear at the muscular tendinous junction, so where the muscles are becoming a tendon. That's a very common place for this to happen. Similarly, because you can get good, good bites or good purchase or a good stitch on the tendon side, but you can't really get it on the muscle side, we, typically we don't need to do a surgery on those ones either. It's when they're a little bit lower down, they start going down into the Achilles tendon which is controversial still, to be honest with you, but that's where you start thinking a lot more about surgery. Gotcha. So Dr. Irving, what would have happened? So we know uh, the Angels were in the bottom of the first inning. Uh, they were home against the Indians. Do you think this could have been as significant if it was, say, in the seventh inning? I mean, would this have been something more? Was he just not warmed up enough yet? Um, and I don't know if we know that answer, but bottom of the first, we don't know what the top of the first looked like. Did all three outs go to third base and he did nothing in, in right field? And, um, you know, he slowly jogged on and off and then suddenly just yeah. popped it? I mean, it's, it's really hard to, to know. I mean, listen, obviously he's a world-class world class athlete. I'm sure. I'm sure he's getting the best, you know, physio training and he's getting to the ballpark early and he's you yeah. know, warming up. So I'm sure he felt ready to go, obviously, when the first pitch is thrown. But... You know, a lot of factors go into it. Like, you know, like Dr. Frey was saying, I mean, you have to take into account he's had this injury before. Mm -hmm. Did he tweak it a couple of days or a couple of weeks before? And, you know, didn't really think a whole lot of it. And then, you know, went out there. And it's just one of those things where, you know, especially with these muscle injuries, you do that one explosive mm -hmm. movement and, and, and then that's it. So, you know, I don't know if he was fatigued or, or just kind of training hard or, yeah. you know, and, and then things kind of happen like that. But yeah. it is, it's, it's tough to know. Yeah. This one's tough um, from one South Jersey guy uh, to Mike Trout. I mean, obviously, we wish him the best of luck. Yeah, uh, we want to see him back on the field. He's 
one of the most important pieces of baseball. Um, you know, Corch so is a product of yeah. South Jersey. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about South yeah. Jersey. So, you know, we, we want to see him back on the field, but uh, while we have the opportunity, we want to give a shout out to our friends at uh, Rowan College of South Jersey, uh, the Gloucester campus, the Roadrunners. Uh, we want to wish them the best of luck uh, with a few of their teams, the baseball team, um, who will be heading off to Greenville, Tennessee on Thursday to compete for the College World Series. Uh, the number one team in that tournament and the nation right now. Um, wi women's soccer, um, who will be heading off to uh, Cranford, New Jersey, uh, to compete for the national championship. Uh, that'll be next week. Um, and also the uh, softball team over there will be heading up to Syracuse, New York on uh, Wednesday uh, to compete for the national championship uh, at the NCJAA. Um, so we want to give a best of, best of luck to all those teams. Um, just a first-class awesome. uh, athletic organization. Uh, everything from the athletic director, Brian Rowan, uh, athletic trainer, Elise Spaulding, uh, all the way down from the coaches to the players. Uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you guys over the last couple months. Uh, and we wish you guys the best of luck. Um, but uh, regards to the outcome, just a tremendous season, and uh, you guys really deserve it. Wish you guys good luck. Good luck, guys. So... Off topic, we got uh, an NBA injury that happened on Sunday. Um, Chris Paul. Weird um, one. Yeah. And this was a weird one, right? I mean, we had a chance to look at the video a little bit. This wasn't the typical where we looked at the video and said, oh, my God, th that's where it is, right? right? That's where the, the injury went down. But uh, they had the 99-90 uh, uh, win over the Lakers. Uh, we already touched on LeBron James a few episodes back, but um, he is back, by the way. Um, but uh, Chris Paul, like, there's a little bit of a, you know, a scrum around the basket going up for the offensive rebound. And uh, Chris Paul goes in and uh, kind of gets a blow to the uh, left side of his face uh, by his own teammate, uh, incidental, you know. As he's falling. As he's falling, yeah. yeah. He kind of has this, like, sudden jerking motion of his head where he takes his right ear, dips it down to his right shoulder, and it lasts a, a millisecond or two, right? And, and then you see this like one second delay where he just kind of spins and then suddenly grabs his shoulder. Uh, and then just kind of, you know, the, the next few seconds of the video, he's just kind of laying there limp, just arm extended, left hand on right shoulder. Batter shoulder. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Frey, you were the one that kind of pointed me out to what this probably was. Yeah. Uh, I had to go back and look at the video. Once I saw the video after, you told me what it probably, I, I, I can't think anything more. As we all know, he, he left the game, but came back in the second half. Um, if you noticed, he was very hesitant to use his right arm. He didn't want to take an excessive amount of shots. He was dribbling everything left-handed. Um, he was more of a, a facilitator at that point. And, and truth be told, that's what Chris Paul is. I mean, right. he's not out there to score 30 points. If needed, he can do it. But uh, he's a floor general through and through. Um, what, what did you see on that on that replay? What I initially had read was, um, you know, contusion for the shoulder, but I think it um, it's much more likely uh, what we would call a stinger, mm -hmm. um, stinger, burner, whatever whatever term you want to use. And um, the mechanism seems to fit. You know, I, I don't have a ton of detail on it, so you know, it's it's mm -hmm. it's truly speculation, but. Um, watching the way his neck goes and watching the way he reaches for the shoulder and then watching the reluctance uh, to use that arm you know, once he came back in, hearing the reports that his training staff felt like he's not at danger for any additional injury or worsening of his injury, really the, the thing that fits this, the, the scenario would be, would be a stinger. 
So explain what that is, Dr. Evering. Um, you know, he, he goes back to the locker room at that point. The athletic trainer is probably staying on the bench with the team. Um, but we're turning him over to you. Help us kind of go through what a stinger really means and what that's affecting. Yeah, so a, a stinger is, is a, a special kind of injury where basically all the nerves that come out of the, the neck uh, and supply the, the sensation and the motor function for the arm kind of form, you know, this what we call brachial plexus. And they kind of converge in, in these very specific uh, ways. And um, the sort of roots, you know, the, the ones that kind of come out right from the, the cervical spine, uh, kind of form these big branches and then those branches kind of split anterior and posterior and then there's all these little splits after that so typically it's a, the bane of every medical no, student's existence I mean, <laughs> you you have it burned it's into your memory forever yeah. forever so it's it's one of those where typically the injury happens kind of right um, when those those big cords form sort of the, the three main trunks and you can either have you know the, the more common type in my opinion is, is more the traction type where your, your arm and shoulder kind of gets pulled away from your neck and you get stretching and irritation uh, of those nerves. And um, then the one that it seems like Chris Paul may have had was more of the compression type where those, those branches kind of get squished together really quickly. And um, it's, it's called a stinger or a burner just because it's a, more of a stun injury to the nerve, kind of really kind of bent in an awkward way. Um, there's typically no tearing of the nerve itself, no tearing of the nerve fiber, but you can't have that. And so when he is being evaluated in the locker room, you know, obviously the one thing you want to make sure is he doesn't have a, a neck injury, right? So you're checking for range of motion, checking for uh, any tenderness around the bones, make sure it doesn't have a fracture. And then after that, you want to kind of get a sense of what his neurological exam is, and you're going to trend that until it gets better. And, you know, the, luck, the good thing is most of these kind of resolve and, and feel pretty good after about 15 minutes or usually before 15 minutes. And then it's just a matter of can we send him back out safely? Um, and that's really, you know, very clinical decision, depending on the athlete, depending on the, the phys physician and, and kind of the, the staff and, and what the situation is. So uh, obviously a big game, you know, pro athlete, you know, big time player, he wanted to come back. And, you know, a lot of times you can send athletes back, you know, safely the same game as long as they meet certain criteria. And I think Chris Paul fa falls under a different category here because he's been uh, this superstar for a number of years, but uh, the knock on him has kind of always been been hurt in the biggest situations. Um, do you think he put a little pressure on the physicians back there um, to get him back out there? You know, you know, having covered certain events uh, in my career, I, I don't think he had to, right? I mean, yeah. physicians kind of feel that pressure anyway, yeah. right? Because you know, when you're on the sideline of a team, especially for a big game, you don't want to be the reason, you know, that team can't win or can't go. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you have a job to do, and that's yeah. to keep keep everybody Protect safe. Protect the so, player. Yep. Yeah. So um, I don't think he really had to put pressure. I think, you know, once you, especially with an injury like this, once you can determine that he has full strength, the strength yeah. is the same on both sides, he's got feeling, he's got movement, you're sure he doesn't have a fracture, I'm sure he probably got an x-ray at yeah. some point. Um, then it's just a matter of, okay, does Chris want to play? And, and then you let him go. I can assure you, though, that he was putting pressure oh, yeah, yeah. on the docs to let him <laughs> in. And, it, and it's just an expected. But, yeah. but same, just like Dr. Everyone was saying, you know, we know that pressure's there, right? And, and, and you know, we have a job to protect the player. But at the same time, if, if he can go back safely, that's what we want to do, right. get him back safely. Dr. Everyone, you touched on uh, returning him with full strength. I kind of know this this answer, but the, the topic is interesting. Talk about what you're testing top to bottom to determine full strength. Yeah, so I mean, one of the things we know about the brachial plexus is 
it kind of supplies the muscle groups in a very ordered fashion, right? Mm -hmm. So you're working from the shoulder all the way down to the fingertips. Yeah. Um, and the, the sequence that you do is, is pretty, you know, pretty straightforward. So you're talking about first what we call shoulder abduction, where the kind of you bring the shoulder up kind of uh, away from your body, um, you know, kind of at the 90 degree angle. Um, and that typically is the first move. And then you're testing um, the biceps, right? Kind of hand, you know, bicep curl kind of thing. And then mm -hmm. you go work your way down to the wrist um, and then the, the squeeze strength. And then you, you want to test triceps and then you kind of come back with, you know, shoulder, um, what we call adduction or bringing it back towards the body. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can do a few other special tests in between, but those are the kind of main ones that I do. And if you fail one, but everything's fine, explain what that really means, right? So that's actually more concerning, right? If you have yeah. isolated weakness, you yeah. know, that could mean a true nerve root injury, sure. or you're, you're kind of thinking more along the lines of, of maybe a potential fracture. Um, usually with these brachial plexus injuries, you kind of have groups of muscles that are affected, right? Okay. Because as we talked about, it's really an injury to when the, the nerve roots kind of come together. Mm -hmm. um, so you would expect like, you know, say C5, C6, that would be shoulder and bicep. So you would expect some weakness there. Maybe the tricep is okay. But really, if it's truly isolated, that, that kind of gives you uh, an idea that this might be more of a proximal injury. And that's actually much more dangerous than, than the, the brachial plexus injury. We had one of these with the sole, um, and we hid this from you guys because you guys were with the blackjacks, <laughs> right? But we had a, we had a big uh, uh, meeting two out of the three that we played the blackjacks. Um, so I, I've seen this kind of range everywhere from this resolves instantly to w weeks. Um, right. And we had one of our big time receivers. Um, I didn't really talk to him about using his name. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use his name just in case. But um, I'm sure he would say yes, but I'm not going to say who it was. But I mean, he just hid this for weeks uh, from opponents. Um, we held him out a few games. Explain how they can vary so much from Chris Paul goes back instantly. Eh, I guess instantly is maybe a stretch, right? Because he yeah. missed it a, a little bit of time. But he was getting examined right, and x-rayed right, right. and all that stuff. But um, to our guy who missed four to five weeks, um, how can it be so different for every athlete? Well, I think the, the main thing with this injury is, is just the, the amount of force that kind of gets transmitted through that nerve root or um, one of the trunks of that brachial plexus. Um, everybody's nerves heal differently just like every other part of the body but more importantly a lot of nerves heal super slow right yeah. so if you have um, a big injury or a big bruise uh, to that nerve uh, trunk or one of the parts of the brachial plexus I mean you're talking you know super slow healing millimeters you know per week so it can take a, a while to kind of get back and typically you know what what I look for is I want to see that athlete regain normal neurologic function meaning full strength full sensation full movement uh, of the upper extremity within three weeks. When mm -hmm. I when I kind of get to after three weeks, I start to get a little bit worried that something else might be going on, and even before three weeks, but typically three weeks is kind of my real cutoff for, all right, we may need to kind of investigate this a lot more, um, start talking about MRI, start looking for other causes, uh, things like that. That's when you may want to get some, some nerve studies and, and things, but a lot of these, you know, I've been on the sidelines where, where guys can't move their arm, right? They just can't move anything yeah. for it's scary if it's like a minute or two and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like whoa it's starting to come back and mm -hmm. five minutes later they're like can i go back in i'm like you just couldn't move your arm for right. you know for a couple minutes but that's a stinger yeah that that's, that's a stinger right definition. and that's it so you just you know it's it's one of those you hold your breath and, and and hope for the best kind of thing yeah i mean we talked a little bit about that pressure i'll uh again not going to name who it was but uh i know you're listening uh, and certainly uh me dr Evan, dr frey we appreciate that um <laughs> Just so you know, I'll never forget, you came over to the sidelines holding your arm, 
said, no, 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 man, J Jason, I'm good, man. I, I, I just had some numbness down my arm. I'm good. And I, I, I took you to the side, sat you down, and just like Dr. Evering just said, I had him start with shoulder abduction, and uh, his left arm just collapsed immediately. He's like, no, 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 I'm good. Try it again. <laughs> Held him back up there. Warriors. Right, yeah. right arm stayed up there, left arm just went right down. Mm. And he was like, yeah, something's actually not right. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, like I said, he ended up missing four to five yeah. weeks, uh, if not longer. I'd have to go back and look. I remember where it happened and when he came back because um, I knew it was against the blackjack, so I'd have yeah. to do the time in between. But um, yeah, it became he just, a little bit of a heated rivalry for the short rivalry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was good. it was great. Those were three fun. great games we played, right? It was fun times. I think Dan hit the nail on the head on a lot of this stuff. There, there's a few things that that were very worrisome, right? What you just described, that, that, that sort of the whole arm sort yeah. of going dead or the whole arm with, you know, yeah. losing, losing the ability or motor function or dramatic weakness or numbness or tingling. More worrisome is when it's not the whole arm. Yeah. More worrisome is if it's in a very, what we call dermatomal distribution or, or, or organic distribution where the nerve particularly goes and one, one nerve sort of showing dramatic signs of weakness and the other things being intact. Other, other worrisome things would be, in my mind, at least when we're going through this, is if he goes, he has this injury, guy gets better, all right, go head back out there, go ahead, you know, save the world, and, and it happens again, right? Second time in the game, now yep. you're done. All right. yeah. we, we need a little bit of time here to make sure we're not dealing with something worse. Yeah. And then the third thing is, if, if this does happen to someone, and frequently it will happen more than one time, but if it happens a third time, uh, at that point, you say, "Hey, hey, hey! Let's let's get this checked out. Let's, yeah. let's just make sure we're not there's not something else predisposing you to this or something else going on that's creating this injury, and that who knows maybe the next time it's going to be a lot worse." Yeah. Yeah. So and same thing. So uh, I I completely agree. Second time it happens in in the same game, um, you know that's an automatic out for me as well. Uh, even if function comes back, even if there's full strength, it's just too risky because you know, why did it happen a second time kind of thing. And then, you know, Dr. Frey is kind of right, you know, it, it, when you start to kind of have this happen more than once, or like I was kind of talking about before, when it's just lingering, and then it's really, right. it's really about, you know, making sure there's not something else. And, and one of the more common things is cervical spine stenosis, mm -hmm. where you can have just congenital or some sort of injury happen before, where you just kind of get pinching off of the true, you know, spinal cord. Um, and if there's a narrow space, you're more predisposed to this. And, and that can have, you know, obviously super serious repercussions down the line. So. You're making sure you, you don't miss that or you don't miss something else going on. Yeah, so so if it's both sides, right? If someone has it going down one arm, that's your standard stinger. Yeah. But if someone has symptoms on both sides, that's another warning sign, right? That's another red flag. All right, you're done. You don't want this to be a spinal stenosis scenario or, or some other injury. I'll tell you what, for, my, for all my uh, athletic training friends that have been listening in, um, I, I feel like all of my stingers, uh, what Murphy's Law, right? It always happened on the road with the Philadelphia Soul. So... Um, you know, we're out there in some town and, you know, I'm, I'm there by myself. I don't have my physician back up with me. And I'm trying to explain to a guy why numbness and tingling, you know, weakness down one arm is, no, he's done for, you know, the time being. It never happened conveniently enough where I had one of you guys on the sideline with me. Um, 
I don't know if you know uh, if, if you guys experienced we, that. We planned but, it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the same guy we were just talking about uh, trying to convince me that he was maybe not well enough to play offense as a receiver, but he could play special teams <laughs> because I could still tackle somebody, right? I mean, yeah, it, you know what? Like, I, I'm not going to take that risk, no, you know? That's, like, <laughs> that's probably one of the worst things you could do: right? run full speed right. and just hit somebody. And you remember uh, those uh, AFL kickoffs, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. those are just car collisions yeah, from the get-go, that's right? That's really all it is. But, Dr. Evering, so uh, latest reports, Chris, uh, Chris Paul is not on the injury report. Do you see him getting through the playoffs? I mean, at this point, you have to think, yeah. You yeah. know, you, obviously you trust, you trust the, the staff down there in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But um, at this point, yeah, if he's got full strength and, and, and full motion and, and full ability, uh, I think the more important thing is, is if he developed the confidence over the, the last few days to kind of trust his right arm, trust his shoulder, um, and, and he develops that confidence, um, then I think he'll he'll be fine. I, I think it's worrisome if he isn't right. Like yeah. if, there, if there is another injury this soon, that's a, a little more of a of a red flag or warning yeah. sign. Yeah. yeah. Doctor Frey, yeah, uh, Mike Trout, we see him back. I think before eight weeks. Before eight weeks? No. Yeah. Six so you eight. think their time frame might be a little bit longer? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Yeah. yeah around that, eight weeks. That's my guess. Yeah. Okay. So so he's in the middle of the season, right? And yeah. granted, he's the he's the key player on this team, but you know, eight weeks from now, or from the time of the injury, they're a little later in the season. If they're in contention, let's even say six weeks, they're in contention. You know, maybe there's a little bit of a little bit more of a push to get him back a little bit sooner. But we all know that this is one of those injuries where if you push it too much, then maybe you lose him for the rest of the season. My gut with a guy of that stature, right? He's, he's you know, critical to the team, um, critical for their franchise over the long haul. They're not going to push this, is my yeah. guess. So so this really is, I'd say, four to eight week injury. You know, I don't have inside. I didn't see the MRI. Yeah. I don't, I don't right. know exactly. But assuming it's grade two, I think their report of six to eight weeks is probably right. And yeah. my suspicion is it's going to be closer to eight weeks than six weeks. Right. Uh, before we wrap it up for tonight, uh, Dr. Frey, you had something else you wanted to touch on. Kenny Mayne. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we did the last show. I'd read in the paper that he, they, ESPN did not renew his contract. Um, sort of sad to see him go. So yeah. the, the, the sarcasm, yeah. you know, not in this show. That would be a record kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> all, all the, 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 you know, the nonsensical, not nonsensical, but the sarcastic dry things he said, I thought were pretty funny. And then his uh, interview with Aaron Rodgers last night. Way to walk off, buddy. <laughs> it's I, I've always loved the segments. Yeah, I mean, they, they were some of the best. Yeah, he, he's he's a real legend. I mean, I, you know, obviously watched him for a really long time. Uh, and it's kind of sad. I mean, one of the things I read was, you know, he was asked to take, obviously, a monster pay cut, which is, is tough to see, you know, for a guy of his stature. But also you understand with the industry being what it is. But right. it's just sad to see him go. But yeah. you know, we'll see. It's, there's been, there's been, you know, this massive thyresis, this massive exodus of, of of a lot of the, the you know the the anchors that have been around for a while and, yeah. and as Kenny Mayne put it he was a he was a casualty of the salary cap and a lot of I'm sure a lot of those other um, those other announcers and commentators and, and um, front men were also similar casualties mm-hmm. you know not not that it's, it's you know there's a lot of young new talent that's coming up but it is interesting you know it's a little bit sad to see one of the guys we've been watching for a little while ago you know the yeah. Chapman Bacalay and all the, all the other nonsense Well, that's going to about wrap it up for us this evening. We're going to go ahead and close out our tab. 
Uh, we want to take a moment to thank all of our sponsors, our good friends and colleagues at Reconstructive Orthopedics for all their support with this endeavor. The Energy Lab, located here in Pittman, New Jersey, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods for hosting us each and every episode. And our good friends at Timber Reel Productions, Joe Warner, our on-site producer, and Kyle Miller, our editor. That's going to do it for this evening. Thanks a lot for joining us. Dr. Evening. thank you so much. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Kenny, man, if you need a job, here we are, buddy. <laughs> We're open, Kenny. Let us know if you want to be on the next episode.